0: And I'm like, you know, I don't even want to look at the screen, but I can't look away. Because I'm so intrigued. And so just like, oh, 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 what, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Good Welcome to Two Maddening Hours of Horror and Fright.
1: The Vanisher, without being killed. I'm running this fucking car now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing
0: with my time. Hi, I'm Candy, the Final Girl.
1: Kitty, 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 (laughs) kitty. And I'm Erica Wright. You can't go anywhere without feet. (laughs) And tonight on
0: the Ghoul's Night Out edition, last of the season four, we are doing the infamous film Audition from 1999, directed by Takashi Miike. Uh, This is one I, I really was waiting to do. And, you know, to start off with, because I really want to start off with how I saw this movie the first time. And I've seen it many, many times since. Um, and I was really excited um, last season of The Last drive when the Audition was the first movie. Because getting Joe Bob's insight was really great, and, and we had, you know... Uh, Yuki, come and, and do some of the Japanese pronunciations. I mean, it was just a really great episode. But I was like, ooh, Audition, my favorite. That's my shit right there. Um, it's interesting that this film, when you, because there's, there's lists out there, like the famous top ten list of the most extreme horror films. And they're usually always the same, no matter what source you go to. And And, and Audition makes that cut every time sometimes it's in the number one spot um but let's let, let me go to the beginning of how i experienced this film so it made a big splash at film festivals the year it was released and we i'm going to touch back on that later but so it, it it comes to america and i was really like i don't really know you know i didn't I was always on the internet, didn't always have access at that time, you know, my family was poor. But there was buzz, and I didn't understand the buzz. I didn't know anything about what the buzz was, I just knew people were talking about it. So, it it was like one of those titles that they would get one copy of in the video store. And I, um, you know, I was, uh, I had stopped working at a video store at that point. I would later return. But I was like, oh, here it is, here's that copy, I'm gonna fucking watch this. And so I sit down and I start watching this movie. And it's a, it's a long movie, you know, considering, um, you know, our typical runtimes of films. is a little bit long. And I had no idea who Takashi Miike was. I had no fucking idea what I was in store for. And so my brother and his uh, ex-husband, you know, obviously wasn't ex at the time. They sit down because they, they like horror. And they're going to watch this fucking movie with me. And... Again, none of us knew what to expect. And, um, I think that was a good thing, honestly. In in retrospect. So we're watching this movie, and, like, it's been an hour. And they're like, we are so fucking bored. This is not scary. This is not a horror film. Why? They're just talking, and this guy is obsessing over, she's obsessed. Like, there's a couple weird moments, but, like, what the fuck is this shit? So they leave. And I'm like, well, I'm invested. You know, I need to know what's going to happen. And I want to understand why this is such a buzzworthy thing. And I found out sitting there by myself, because this is a movie that really, really saves everything for that huge money shot at the end. And that when that happened, I'm sitting there by myself going, what the fuck? Oh, my God what what and I'm like you know I don't even want to look at the screen but I can't look away because I'm so intrigued and so just like oh 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 what 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 the fuck there's a particular moment in that that last 20 minutes because that really the movie exists for that last 20 minutes you know for most people um and the, and that's why it's like i'm I'm not surprised it's on the extreme list but I <sighs> It's not like the rest of them, like Martyrs, or anything else like that. Because this is everything that people consider disturbing about it in that last bit of the movie. So, um, which I, which I haven't even touched on what it is, but I just, I want to hear from you, and what we can go, launch into that. But that was my first viewing. I ended up sitting by myself, because everybody got bored and left, like, what what is this? They're just going out to dinner, and, you know, she's acting a little strange, but, you know. And, and I think the, the actress, and, um... Forgive me if
1: I butcher this. Ehi Um Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I'm going to have to apologize in advance too because I think I will mangle a lot of Japanese names tonight and I don't want to, but... I'm I don't want to either, Gaijin, but I know it's going to happen. Uh, I am Baka Gaijin here. Like, <laughs> I'm going to mangle stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's uh, she's amazing. She's also in this other film that I... I kind of i kind of like but i mixed series about called tokyo gore police and she's the, the hero of that yeah like, and,
0: and i think she's just breathtakingly beautiful she is yeah she's, yeah because she was a model she she's
1: just stunning. stunning yeah yeah she's uh you know beautiful but also very unique and has this you know just very interesting you know look about her that for the sake of audition, yeah, like she's beautiful, but there, sometimes she can seem a little off, and it really works so well for this film. Um, but yeah, my first impressions—I think I saw this um, on DVD, you know, when when I was stuck like, with like Blockbuster, and I think Netflix was just starting to get launched. So uh, I was working on my undergraduate honors thesis about gender and sexuality in horror films. And this was one of the films that I rented, like I rented about 2000 films. So I mean, I had a lot to go through. Yeah, i had like a lot of raves about it. So I wanted to check it out. I was never bored with it, even when it was like, not specifically horrific. Yeah, I wasn't
0: bored either. I was invested like, okay, so what's gonna happen now?
1: Yeah, exactly. But I, I guess it didn't resonate with me all that much at the time. Like I felt maybe it was kind of a misogynist film. Like I thought, oh, this is a bitches be crazy kind of film. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, rewatched now because I over a decade went by and I I hadn't watched it again. But I look at it a little bit differently now. But know, uh, yeah, I never had problems with it. Like from a technical standpoint, or feeling that it was boring or anything like. I was into the story, and like it, it's creepy. Well, before it gets to the torture scene and all the dream sequences, or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, yeah, that. it is. Yeah, um, it's off-putting. I think, I think the first cue of the creepiness is when she's sitting in this dirty, unfurnished apartment, just kind of slumped over, and then the phone Look rings. That phone and right this there. smile, like the smile, and then like the bag of laundry moves and makes a sound, like. <gasps> Or at least You're the I thought it was. A, out of me. And me too. I thought it was just a bag of laundry, and then I get rolls over, and I'm like, "Oh fuck!"
0: So <laughs> yeah. that's like just the tiniest precursor of like, "What did I get into here?"
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know, something like something is really off about this woman, but it's like it, it was kind of interesting seeing exactly like how far off. <laughs> yeah. And- but yeah, I, I don't understand the complaints about it being boring at all
0: no but you know I mean I don't know if I'm always the best judge on that because I do like a slow burn
1: me too especially
0: you know with this film I think it's really important that we have all that story where the ending means nothing yeah conversely though um it's considered the start of the torture porn Mm -hmm. it's attributed with that and I'm kind of like I guess but it's like when people talk about this film it's usually just those last 20 minutes and Mm -hmm. it's like Hmm. So, over the years, uh, I have watched this many times, and um, I actually haven't rewatched watched it um, for a minute. I think I watched it one more time after Joe Bob did it last season to... Because mm-hmm. I was watching it with my kids, you know, trying to expose them to
1: stuff. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm curious. What did they think of it?
0: They were like, what the hell? What the fuck? You know? And I'm like, that's exactly how you're supposed to feel, feel about it. Excuse me. But... And then, you know, I knew that there was a book about it, you know, that it was based on, but it was really hard to find for a very long time. And, um, I finally tracked it down on Amazon, um, very recently, I just, I just read it, uh, what, last week? Um, I think. Um, and I read pretty fast. It is not a really long read.
1: Yeah, it's not, and I, I have both the Kindle edition and the Audible edition, and the Audible edition is only four hours and some odd minutes, so not long at all. Right, right. It's um,
0: it it's an interesting read, and I think that there are a lot of comparisons and contrasting. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that is due to the written word, and you know, a visual format. Um, what I what I my my takeaway just first of all, you know, between reading the book and, and being a fan of the film is that, um, you know, by now I have seen a lot of Takashi Miyake's films, and they're all gory, and they're all disturbing. He's oh, mostly yeah. an action guy. He mostly does action films. But if you go back to season one of The Last Drive-In, one of his action
1: films was covered. Oh yeah, Dead Alive, which I had not seen that one before. It was on the last drive, and and I had seen a lot of his films and even some of his television work, but right, right. I missed that one. And maybe it was because it was billed as sort of just a Yakuza thing, and it's like I don't really care about crime movies, and I'm not like a huge, huge action person, so that didn't either. Neither. Uh, around the time I saw Audition, though, I mean, even though I didn't like really love the film at the time, I did seek out. In his other work that was available through Netflix and yeah. other... You
0: know, and, and at that point, by the time we get... This movie makes to the States and gets a buzz, we mm. get Itchy the Killer. And I
1: was oh. like... And I was like, well, I, got, I guess I need to see this. And I was like, oh my god. And that one's a whole lot of what the fuck. My favorite one, though, that I saw around that time period was Gozu. Mm. And I'm kind of due to see that one again. But that was just so... Bizarre, but it also has a lot of heart at the same time.
0: Yeah, and um, I also am a fan of his One Miss Call. Um I yeah, think because I mean, we had that J horror craze that happened, um, also kind of spawned from audition. And so yeah, what, we, yeah. what we were doing was remaking, and we talked about this with our Grudge episode. Mm-hmm. But we were remaking these, you know, extreme horror films from Japan. But in a very so silly we were way, making it PG thirteen exactly.
1: PG-13. exactly. Exactly. It's like, so
0: oh. when you see Takashi Miike's version of One Miss Call, it's fucking scary. I just mm-hmm. rewatched it. It's fucking just absolutely terrifying. The American version is like a fucking circle jerk. It's a piece of shit. Nobody even remembers that one because it was so bad. They'll talk oh, yeah. about the ring. They'll talk about the grudge. But you don't hear people talking about One Missed Call. But I'm like, if you want to um, experience another Takashi Miike film that is I, fantastic and, and it's in the horror genre i i urge you to seek out that film um on his it's one miscall. There, there's a series but just just watch the first one but um mm-hmm. yeah so Takashi miike he is quite a character a very interesting man and i i wanted to touch on him for just a second um i like uh okay so i i, re- I read this story um uh, at the 2000 Rotterdam Film Festival, where, which it won an award, and Takashi Miki had, had left at that point. Um, so his assistant accepted the award. But what happened was, they screened the movie, and it had a record number of walkouts. And then <laughs> one woman, and one woman sat through the whole thing, and then went up and told him, you are sick. And he laughed and thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, I, I, can, I like this guy. He's fucked uh-huh. up. He's okay. It's fine, <laughs> but um, with Takashi Miike, I really feel like having read the book that this was adapted from. I feel like he actually held back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like you know he changed probably yeah. um, comparing them what needed to be changed, and and in, and in the film, it's actually toned
1: down a little bit. I was kind of surprised about that too. Like uh, one of the big differences was the the animal cruelty issue. Oh, the novel, oh it, gosh. Like, the, the dog is already dead, and apparently its neck is broken. But the novel, I was like, oh my god, she's, like, making this guy watch while she amputates the dog's legs and then decapitates it? This is just really... Right. Rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It was disturbing. It was really... That yeah, was, it was really not really a fun at, time. Like, oh. <laughs> but I think um, it's, it's a good idea to pair these... Um, if you're wanting the entire experience, um, I felt the book was much more misogynistic, and um, <laughs> you know it, it, you know because they're divided. This is one of those divisive movies. A lot of people say Audition is a feminist movie. You know, with Asami being sort of an avenging angel, going to you know, and like I'm not buying that.
1: I really don't either. I, don't like I, I love female revenge movies, as you know, like I spit on your grave. But, but she I mean,
0: revenge against the people
1: who hurt her. Yes, exactly. Not everyone. Exactly. It was just directed against those four guys. It wasn't their family members, and you know, like their pets. So, um, I mean, and I think other there random are there people. There are definitely feminist elements in the novel and the film or things you could interpret as feminist, but I don't see Asami as any kind of feminist uh, you know heroine or like some kind of role model by any means.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> and and Takashi Miike himself said we we did not put feminism in this film because feminism isn't really a thing in Japan.
1: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Um, you know, the, the depictions of Women in horrible situations or being horrible is actually very culturally accepted in Japan. There is no feminism over there. Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting um, that some people, I mean, it's really what you want to read into it as. I can see elements of feminism, but what is the stronger message is the misogyny. Why the fuck? You know, and, and like, okay, I'm looking for another wife. My wife's dead, and I'm ready to get remarried. But she has to have, she has to be stunningly gorgeous. Now, this is one of the yes. young oh, moments. Yes. She has to be absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. She has to have some sort mm-hmm. of talents, classical training. Um, you're asking for, like, you know, build a wife here. And so they hold a <laughs> fake fucking audition so he can check out girls. And he gets obsessed with one. And I don't fucking feel sorry for him. I really don't feel sorry for him.
1: Well, and also, yeah, that was an interesting thing. Like in the, in the film, I actually thought he was maybe a little more sympathetic, but in, exactly. the, book, in the book, one of the first things you learn, like a, a, kind of the history of his marriage and what his uh, first wife was like and what was great about her. But, so they revealed right away that he had some kind of affair or at least a flirtation with the bar hostess. Mm hmm. And I mean, it's not clear about how far this relationship went, but it, basically, he cheated on his wife in some way. Yeah. But then later, when you know, after his wife dies, and he's looking to marry someone else, like one of his criteria is he does not want a bar hostess, which is like super shitty and hypocritical. Um, so I oh, was he's like,
0: very specific.
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah. There was like a lot of like, even though I mean, there are some likable things about this guy there's a lot of he has a lot of his own blind spots where he doesn't even know how shitty he's being it's yeah, like I it, mean, it usually doesn't even occur to him initially he does you know have problems with the ethical aspects of having this fake audition which is really just uh you know to kind of create a dating pool for himself he's like well that's fraud though it's like but there's not going to be a tv show that's like defrauding people but yeah his friends like dating.
0: you know it, but maybe it could be one day but not right, right now right.
1: So There's like yeah all the justifications and then later on when he hears about this um this record producer that asami had you know maybe some kind of relationship with although it's not clear if she knew the guy directly or if she only heard of him although like once you hear about what happened to him it's like oh yeah they knew each other personally oh, yeah. but initially it's, it's kind of ambiguous so but initially he's so mad that it's like Ooh, the idea of this middle-aged, you know, disgusting man putting his hands on her is just so revolting. It's like, dude, look you in the are, mirror. You're doing the exact same thing, <laughs> right? And, and
0: I think that's sort of a little bit of where we could say, you know, there's a little, there's, there's feminism in this film. You mm-hmm. can make that argument. You can't convince me that it is a feminist film, but the misogyny is is very clear. But Takashi Mige like I said, when he pulled back a little bit on the mm-hmm. source material. He made it he made him seem more of, of a sympathetic character. Even though he's not, they made him seem more human. Um he cares. He Right. You mm-hmm. know, he he's not cuz he's a lot more callous and cold and and absolutely unapologetic in the book of what he's yeah, doing. I
1: agree. I agree too. Like um you know, at least in the film like you see his good qualities and that is one thing that's great about the film and the novel is like both of these characters are you know they have these flawed evil side you know sides of them but there are things that you know you are make you sympathetic to both of them in their own way I, I do get the feeling like yeah he really does care about her but it's like he, he just uses these really shitty exploitative methods to start this relationship and it's like ew uh, and you kind of
0: get the feeling that she knows that
1: yeah, but, um, I don't know, do you, watch, yeah, do, do you watch the YouTube channel Wisecrack, by chance? Uh, no. That's that really, that's a really fun, um, uh, channel. It's like guys who, um, for the most part, have some kind of background in philosophy and they're analyzing films and popular TV shows and that kind of thing. Um... But uh, they had a, a panel about this film, and they were they had different reactions when they saw it when it first hit, you know, DVD, kind of like we had, and then watching it later. This is a film that definitely has a different flavor to it if you rewatch it post, you know, Harvey Weinstein, you know, Me Too. Uh, right, kind of, right. So, it it's a little different. Yeah, you know, this one guy was saying like when he, uh, you know, saw it, for, you know, when it first came out DVD for American audiences, and he's like. Like, ew! this whole film just basically saying that women are crazy, you know, and then and then he rewatched it recently. And he's like, yeah, that guy got everything he deserved and actually he deserved a lot worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and and they tone that down, too. And, you know, if we're talking, you know, let's get into the foot amputation. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, that whole last scene, like the money shot, um, uh-huh. but just the foot am- amputation. Because in the book, it's both. Mm -hmm. When they adapted the screenplay, it was none. So Takashi is like, I'm gonna split the difference. One foot comes (laughs) up. Oh, right. And he wasn't, he actually wasn't gonna film that part. He was gonna film the start of the torture scene. And they're like, be a man and do the damn thing. And he did. He did do it. (laughs) But, you know, he was not unknown, you know, uh, in his extremeness. I mean, people knew that. Uh, about mm-hmm. him, so I find it interesting that he kind of didn't want to show it.
1: Yeah, I so that's kind sort of
0: out of character, especially if you've seen shit like Ichi the Killer, where you're just like, "Dear God, yeah, is, the, is, where's the where's the stopping is, point here?"
1: Yeah, like yeah, Ichi the Killer so messed up where, mm. like, yeah, where I mean, they just they show ejaculate and they <laughs> just and it's own-
0: actually Takashi Miike is one of the people who act because that's real semen.
1: <laughs> yeah, you I know that? I didn't
0: know that, but I guess I'm not surprised. He's a a fucking character, man. Like, I don't... I don't... I don't don't
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) I didn't know that, but I guess I'm not completely shocked. Exactly, yeah.
0: Because he, (laughs) he sort of has that reputation of, like, not being afraid. So I think that's interesting that he didn't want to do what made this film become this amazing cult classic and and make the extreme horror list you know basically making this dude fucking immortal in the horror community you know this is one of those movies that most people avoid watching because they've heard how disturbing it is and i'm like give it time um i've watched it many times and maybe i don't know if that's just because i'm fucked up or because i think it's actually a really great film and Mm -hmm. especially as a horror fan you know i i can you know um i can be very extreme and in, in in horror um it doesn't faze me all the time you know like i i kind of like being disturbed in that way because it adds so much power to the story that's being told
1: <laughs>
0: and something interesting um about Tekashi Mika as well and that one Miss call and in this film both of the protagonist well let's just say both of the women. The main Mm -hmm. women were victims of abuse. And it's focused on a lot more in One Miss Call, in its own way, where they actually speak about it more. Instead of, like, in in Audition, it's more showing, not telling. But in One Miss Call, at the very beginning, she's sitting in a lecture with her friends. And they're talking about how abuse spawns more abuse. That's the lecture. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we... It, I don't want to spoil the movie for others, but you know what? Fuck it. You're you're listening to a movie review, so deal. Um, okay. When our, our main character, uh, Yoko... Um, in that film... I, I think it's Yoko or it's Yuki. Fuck. Well, fuck me. I don't remember if it's Yuki or Yoko. Because <laughs> they're both characters in that movie, but, you know. Anyway, our main protagonist, she was abused. <laughs> and they're these very beautiful... Long hair, sedate, you know, women who both have abuse issues and and the abuse spawns abuse. Mm -hmm. Because when we really take all this down and get to like the skeleton of what what this film is and and what makes Asami the way she is, it's abuse. And um, Mm -hmm. this is very common in Japanese, uh, entertainment culture that, um, you know, and it's something, you know, like as a person who has been abused, you know, um, the statistics are, are telling you, yeah, you, you might go on an abuse, but, but it's, it's not like always that conclusion because people are like, sometimes a lot of us deviate from that.
1: You know? Yeah, I think the majority of abuse victims don't abuse other people. Like, you know, maybe there's a slightly higher risk for it, but it's not like it, it just sets someone's fate in stone that they themselves will become an abuser.
0: Right, and you already feel like a piece of trash that you grew up in that, and then, you know, this is sort of what's expected. Like, you're tainted by what somebody else did to you. That is absolutely a fact in Japanese culture. They believe that. Mm-hmm. So this it was not surprising to them this is not shocking to them and this and this really applies to when miss call and this film um like well of course she went on of course she's doing what she's doing you know she was abused it's like um wow
1: okay i don't like that yeah right <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> one thing i find interesting though where i i, I mean i guess i don't really i don't know interpret the film or the novel as misogynistic per se even though some of the characters definitely are mm-hmm. um sometimes i feel like maybe it's more of a commentary on um, a japanese culture and like uh, you know men's expectations of women and that that kind of thing not necessarily endorsing those views because obviously it doesn't work out for the main character no it does not concept that Japanese men have personal agency to uh, create sort of a a grocery list of everything they want in a a perfect spouse. Mm -hmm. And you know, like the first part of that movie definitely plays into that fantasy, but in reality it's Asami who has agency. She has her own shopping list as it were, her own uh, sort of target demographic. And she has the ability to get what she wants uh, just those those two fantasy worlds when they collide do you know, not you know work out in a way that makes anyone happy ultimately. Well, maybe she's a little bit happy. She seems to really be enjoying herself when she's taken, you know, Iowana's foot off and she's yeah, so and, beautiful and about what it. What a haunting
0: <laughs> image that is this beautiful, beautiful girl smiling, oh, yeah. taking that wire, it cuts through the bones. Yeah, and she
1: she just like she looks so serene and that's-
0: She's it's so, like, kind of relaxed about it, and, like... <laughs> Usually, you know, I um with her, I feel like it's a trigger warning every time she smiles. Something bad is about oh, yeah. to happen.
1: Oh, yeah. Every time she smiles. Well, like, with I, the call. First, she's been. It gives you this impression she's been sitting for days next to the phone, and then sleeping in that position because of the way she slumped over with her hair over her face. And it's so, so creepy, like slowly sits up when the phone rings and you see that smile it was like oh there's something really wrong but it kind of reminds me of um, i don't know some of the stuff talked about in the uh, i don't know old-fashioned dating advice books for women like you never called a man you let him call mm-hmm. But back in the days before cell phones that meant you were literally waiting by your fucking landline for you know a guy who may or may not be interested in you to call first but she's literally waiting there for a week or you know, whatever the time limit was that <laughs> And that's where
0: we get our suspicions confirmed um that there is something absolutely wrong exactly. with this woman. There's that moment.
1: Yeah. Another thing another thing I find fascinating with her is like she's definitely like a cipher of, of sorts that men can project their own fantasies onto her and she seems to fit it perfectly. So Kind of my question with that is, is she truly this blank slate that can fit any kind of male fantasy? Or are men's fantasies so cookie-cutter and so textbook that she deliberately shoehorned herself into that type? Uh, you know, maybe the fantasies of these middle-aged men, you know, especially in the entertainment industry, maybe they all do kind of have the same ideal woman and she has perfected... Yeah, I mean, persona. think about
0: it. If you were... Let, let's say we are uh, shopping for a wife. Mm-hmm. Would we have the same requirements? I want her to be smart. I, I want her to be beautiful. Um, you know, you're asking for what cannot possibly exist.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a unicorn. What got me was sort of the, um, the contradictions in these requirements. Like, well, she has to be beautiful, but not vain and not hung up on her beauty. <sighs> and, and, she uh, be, and she can't be a real actress, but she needs to have classical training. And yeah, them. and, uh, you know, she has to, you know, be well-groomed and have a good appearance, but she can't have expensive tastes in clothes or spend too much money on these non-essential items. Like,
0: what the, what frick, the you fuck know?
1: can live up to that?
0: Exactly. But, like, and I just... think, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things that I, where I feel the book sort of enriched the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to know a little bit more information. And... You know, I think you know. And it's talking about that. You know, she was abused as a yeah. child. You know, mm-hmm. they talk the the scars on her thigh and whatever. You know, and we know that she hurt her hip, but well, I don't know if she really did with ballet.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, with her, don't you don't You don't know how much of what she tells is true and how much is a lie, and then it when you look at like the the start of their relationship, they're both lying to each other. He's lying that there is this film project in the works and there's not. And she's lying about key things in her background that later on, you know, his buddy disproves and says, this is a big red flag. You have to watch out for her. Like, I don't trust her. like his friends constantly saying there's something wrong with this woman and I will not listen to this advice at all. And nice. I think that's
0: very interesting because when we get to our final scene, the last mm-hmm. act, you know, he it's he he kind of falls asleep because she drugs his uh, his uh, cognac or whatever that he always drinks when he comes home. It's drugged, and he, it's like almost like he's remembering them the, the events as they happened, really, because yeah. he was so far into the fantasy that he saw what he wanted to see and he heard what he wanted to hear. And and he was just like head over heels with this idea of what she was, and so it's like um, and Takashi Miike himself confirmed that no, that wasn't what happened—the the torture thing. It wasn't actually a dream. It, it was it was him correctly recalling the conversations for the first time, showing that yeah, it wasn't really important what she was saying, but she was beautiful and she was being classy and she, you know, was very well groomed and, and intelligent. But she she actually told him you know, all these things, but, you know, there's also, you know, there's, when you ask questions, there's more questions that come up, like, does she really, really, you know, the whole reason that she does the, the cutting off of the feet, and, and so much more, is because, you know, she doesn't want to be abandoned, she doesn't, um, you know, she wants, she has an agenda, too, and she really, mm-hmm. when she, she asked him you know, when they have sex, and I'm going to get to that sex part in just a second, because, oh, yeah. um, no, but, uh, yeah, so after they have sex, you know, um, and I think, actually, I think it's right before, she's like, you're gonna, you love only me, right? Just me. No one else. Right? Right?
1: Right. And we don't know
0: how far that she means that, because at that point, he still hasn't told her he has a son, Shige, and, and, you know, and...
1: also, I think that any reasonable person would think that she means, you know, don't cheat on me, don't love other women. I don't think people would think to assume that. Oh, she literally means don't love anyone else, don't love your family, don't love your dog. Yeah, don't love
0: your pets, don't love absolutely anything at all, just me. mm -hmm. (laughs) That's her agenda, and it makes you wonder: like, would she have done it if,
1: if, if he had nothing else? Right. Yeah. I kind of wondered that too. Like if she really did find someone who was completely alone and had no connections in life and could devote all of his time and energy and love just to her, would it work out? I don't know.
0: I don't think I don't so, think but you know, it's <laughs> yeah. an interesting thing to entertain because yeah. it's kind of like, Hmm, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, because like I said, you, you know, they both have an agenda mm-hmm. and he, she's giving him what he wants. But he's also so caught up in the fantasy, and she's obviously very practiced at this, you know. And in the book, it's talking about not just when she was physically abused, but how she was sexually
1: abused. Mm -hmm. Which is applied in the film too—the way that her was her uncle, you know, who was the the pianist and ballet, you know, so creepy. But he's asking all these creepy questions, like, you know, did you touch her? Did you smell her? Ew. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Just,
0: and, yeah. Just yeah. Not... So reading the book, I mean cuz when we what we see in the film, you know, they they take their little vacation kind of thing.
1: Yeah,
0: and they have sex and she's she's demanding commitment from him and he's so head over heels and, and has been playing fantasy the whole time not really listening to what she says and boy sometimes don't we all feel like like whatever we say like men are just blanking out thinking about you know what they're mowing the lawn or whatever the fuck they want to you know what i mean
1: i have a story about that for in a bit but yeah i know exactly
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um so it's just it i don't know it's so the sex scene is very toned down. we we know they had sex we don't really see it she gets naked. We don't see anything, and this is him holding back because mm-hmm. that is not his style, Takashimik. But yeah, in the there's, book, the entire there's a lot more
1: description, yes, the,
0: the chapter, it is, and the way that it's described made me feel
1: like um, I was watching hentai. it seemed very porny but what i found interesting was there were all these violent descriptions of what the sex was like even though i don't think they were having rough sex or anything no but but it's 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 so brutal she like touched you know she touched his chest in a way that was like cutting cleaving his chest open or slicing his chest open with her touch which is a very little portrait image (laughs) but then when it gets to the torture scene there's like talks about how like kind of calm and like gentle and serene she is doing that that she's almost saying you know when she's talking to him it almost seems like it's a, a kind way of talking to him. So it just I, seems I like I love the, you like, but what?
0: you lied to me. You don't really just love me. So yeah. but I love you and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make this you know easier on you. Right. Um, in her own <laughs> way. <laughs> Yet yeah, that is when she <laughs> has <laughs> peace, you know? And I don't I hate that about the character. But right. it also gave us a really great film, mm-hmm. um, you know. Great it's, performance, yeah. Amazing yeah, I mean, it was great. And and um, he um, the actress. uh Like, the, okay, so let's talk about the guy in the bag scene.
1: Oh yeah. So <laughs> when it's the fuck the Parker, the...
0: that happened? You know, here's the guy because because they they had mentioned because he was kind of digging around for her. She she disappeared for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's drawn out much more in the movie than it is in the book. Because in the book, it happens so very quick. Everything does. Uh But we get that whole chapter of hentai descriptions of sex and fluids. The way they describe the fluids. I'm kind of like,
1: oh God, Um, no! I don't want this. yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, the the folds of her maybe a party blah blah. And I'm then like, oh, like the, and then I
0: could tell she was aroused because her you know juices jettisoned out onto my. I'm like, thank you. Um, gonna yeah. hard pass that. I'd rather get to this torture. Thank you.
1: I know, right? I, I know. don't care
0: about this. Please don't do this to me. I don't... This is this is <laughs> grosser than me. This is weirder. Um, Like that it was that in-depth and, and the way that it was done. I was just like, oh, oh, oh cringe. So, <laughs> yeah, like that. But yeah, so the guy in the back. So we see, we see the bag move early on. It's one of those little tiny hints that you've got some really interesting shit, and this is getting towards the climax. But so the she, he's looking, at her. and the guy's like, "Well, they found somebody missing. It. You know, we found these
1: random three, three extra fingers yeah, and that is a such tongue. An detail like there's this whole dismembered body, but then there's an extra set of certain body yeah, parts. there's an extra, extra
0: set, the, like three extra, three or four extra ear fingers, ear a
1: yeah, tongue, yeah. um, all that a stuff, or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So <laughs> when we finally get to the point, and it's right at the climax of the movie, where we finally find out what the fuck is in the bag. Okay. Um, the guy comes out, missing the fingers, missing the tongue, and, you know, he can't, he can't really communicate, and he's just a hot fucking mess. Like, oh, gross. <laughs> okay. And, so, and then you see him crawling out, and you're just like, oh, God, oh, God, what is this? And, um, like, you, you, you kind of had an idea, but you really didn't. You know, you you, you like, I want to be wrong, or I don't want it to be as gross as it is. And to make it even grosser, when she how she feeds him is she throws up in a dog bowl. And, he,
1: and the moment he starts slurping, I'm just like, "Oh, dude! Oh, oh, man!" I know that scene is so like bom- it's so vomit inducing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and and the actress was a method actress, so she actually puked in the bowl. She actually did that. Uh,
1: uh,
0: yeah, that was uh, real vomit. And Kashimuki, like I said, you know, we had the, his real semen and other people's semen and itchy e. the Killer. He's not afraid of that shit. So he's like, yeah. Uh, she's like, I'm going to make myself throw up because I'm a method actress. And um, I'm going to serve him my puke. And then the slurping noises because he she cut out his tongue.
1: So he's yeah, the, on a liquid down. diet. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's so nasty. And you're kind sort of like, <laughs> how can
0: you love this movie so much? I'm like, because it's not afraid. It's not afraid.
1: Yeah, it's, it definitely is not afraid to go there. One thing I find interesting, like, to compare the um, the book with the film is, um, in the book, it seems very matter-of-fact how he pieces everything together, like that whatever dream state he's in or dream state after she drugs him, but he hasn't woken up to the torture yet. But in his mind, he pieces all of these things together from her past and what she did to these other victims, and it seems very logical. But then, uh, DK, um adapted it. It's so delirious, mm-hmm. and uh, there's all these weird you know shifts in perspective, and the the there's this weird subjective camera, weird lighting, and it. Um, switches back and forth between you know adult asami and like seven-year-old asami you know for for no reason and it's like so like i know like i made my even though i wasn't a huge fan of this movie when i first saw it it was still memorable and weird enough i made my best friend watch it just to inflict it on him that's what i do is i
0: inflict this movie upon people because i'm like you have to see audition and they're like
1: why are you like this (laughs) right because I so love it. Like, but, I mean, he was, like, just baffled. It's like, so, like, how much of this is his fantasy or his dream and how much really happened? Like It's like, well, I think his dreams contain the essence of the truth. But, you know, it's just told in this very odd way. But finally, reading the novel really helped clarify some things there.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, while the novel wasn't artistic about it, it was very yeah. matter of fact. Um, I do like uh, Tsukashimike's vision of how he figured how he puts together how he really finally sees almost like what she gave him was truth serum yeah because you know he knows you know that she's the one that poisoned him and is going to do things to him at this point but he kind of goes into a weird dreamlike state but he's not completely in a dream and a lot of people are like oh it was just a dream though no it was not (laughs) because think about the ending and i like the ending of the movie much better than the book the book is very abrupt but um, the ending of the movie, it, it, it's like a little bit of shades of Fatal Attraction
1: almost. Like <laughs> the,
0: you know how the, that's the kind of vibes Asami gives me at first, but then goes beyond. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, this thing about you know, like she cooked and killed the family bunny and Fatal Attraction, she yeah. would sit there and with that one part where we where we see her instead of her sitting in an empty room with a bag by the telephone, she's got the light switch on off on off that and you're kind of like oh fuck oh no oh no and then now this is a guy who cheated so it's interesting to to put those two together because that's the american version of this and it wasn't nearly as extreme but yeah i mean i think and and you know it, it it's definitely sort of a dream but it's actually the truth because he was more living a dream like mm-hmm. creating True. somebody and her just adapting to it or only hearing what he wanted to hear because he he was not in love with her he was obsessed with her and there's a difference mm-hmm. he's obsessed with the idea of her she seemed to be everything he wanted and and if that isn't like a predator luring in its prey i don't know what it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, and I bet we've all had, like, some kind of experience or relationship like that. Like, um, oh, yeah, this happened to me more than once, but, I mean, one of the more recent times was, uh, this was maybe six or seven years ago or something like that. A friend of a friend invited me to uh, help out at this film festival and, like, said, oh, you're great with people, you could, uh, you know kind of you know assist this one actor who was a celebrity guest at this thing well, I mean I, I thought that was cool but then throughout that weekend it was clear this guy was just trying to hook up with me you know the yeah. guy the coordinator not the the actor the actor was cool uh, but it was and I mean it, and subsequently we had some like long um discussions via text message and I flat out told him I didn't try to go into, like, asexuality or try to explain it, because some people just don't they, get it. They refuse it. to
0: accept it. Yeah, you know, my mom's one of those people who refuses to accept yeah. that I'm asexual. It's like, yeah, I have right. kids, and I had unwanted sex because I went through um, conversion therapy, but, like, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm like, demisexual now, but mostly ace, you know, mm-hmm. mostly.
1: It's the spectrum, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't try to, like, explain it from that angle, but I flat out told the guy, like, I'm celibate by choice, I'm not looking for a relationship, I'm focusing on other things. It's like I never said anything. He had some idea of me in his head that wasn't me and he kept responding to that fantasy version and not to what I was actually telling him. I just felt like I was talking to a brick wall and like I got progressively more and more disgusted with every conversation I had with this guy because of that. He kept asking me out on dates anyway and they were clearly dates not you know not, not hanging, hanging out with hang friends out. or just people yeah it was clearly uh, there was clearly a romantic angle and then like to make it worse i heard from like the mutual friend who introduced us originally that it's like oh yeah that, that guy he um he says women are uh, that any relationship or you know or, Potential girlfriend is useless if uh, if she doesn't put out on the third date. Uh, know, no, like, no. It's like oh, he's going to be waiting a long fucking time. Isn't never in my right, case. Right, right. So I mean, like with you know people like that, you might don't you know maybe one would like to cut their feet off, possibly. I, <laughs> I
0: mean, I I think you know most women have experienced this and you know I, i've talked um before about sort of this thing and i and i have to explain it to sean a lot um mm-hmm. the people that are attracted to me and it still happens to this day. i'm fucking like 42 years old and i i do post selfies a lot on um oh, yeah. instagram and stuff like that because um, I, I actually work with some big name, uh, companies I'm not allowed to talk about, but I have to model things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not a model, but I have awesome cheekbones or something. I don't know. But then they they look through my Instagram and this is yeah. just recent shit. I can go way back on this. They look through my Instagram and they're like, she likes horror. She's not ugly. Um, she's smart. Usually smart is not associated with me for some reason, but some people know (laughs) that this is an intelligent woman who's talented and likes all the cool shit, likes good music, likes horror movies, likes this, like, you know, it's fun to be around. And they, they fetishize me, they, they. Oh yeah, it's so disgusting. And I told Sean, all I attract are obsessive people. And it happened Mm -hmm. in my entire life, you know, um, most of it lived as as a blonde, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, usually had, I certainly didn't look the way I do now, you know, with his mobility issues with the the extra weight, you know, I, I looked decent, and it's like I liked cool things, and so they would just be like, you're the perfect woman, and if I told you how many times I heard that, and I was like, no, I'm not please don't do that to me do not put me in that position and it's like you are not really seeing like i need in a partner if i'm going to partner up and my you know i talk about my three able exes i'm i'm telling you i was not with them long i I just Mm -hmm. i hated being in relationships the constant pressure of sex but it's just like no i don't want that but anyway so it's like i always get these obsessives i had them in high school i had them you know just my entire my entire life since even before puberty it was like this idea of me because i of my personality because of the way i looked because of this and so it was like i only attracted psychos and obsessives and mm-hmm. it's like they, they weren't hearing me talk about any important issues and you know what my needs are and, and i'm just kind of like oh my god like this is fucking creepy so all of you motherfuckers when i get on instagram and i've got 75 fucking likes from one person <laughs> they get blocked because they uh-huh. and then I'll try to you know if I don't do it but then when it to... all
1: happens in the course of a few hours you know where they'd like look through your yeah. entire feet in a short period of time and like stuff Absolutely. going back here like mm, that's not a good so sign. it's like
0: I feel like I still can't escape it and I'm like Jesus christ i I have three kids I'm oh. married but that doesn't matter because I am what their idea of what they want, they're like, I wish, you know, even marrying people, I wish my wife was like you, who played video games and who likes horror movies and likes all the things that I like. And I'm like, you motherfucker, that's what you want is somebody just like you. Go go fucking marry yourself. Jerk off. It's easier and it saves me the pressure of having to fight
1: you off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm not interested.
0: Yeah, I'm so not interested. But it's like. Even if I wasn't married, it would be the exact same thing. Social social media has made it worse. Um, but yeah, it's just people meet me. They, they like just my big personality. They like all that stuff. And it's like, but I know that I'm being fetishized. I know that they're just mm-hmm. taking the things that they like about themselves and projecting that onto me. And I really mm-hmm. feel like in this film, that's what he's doing.
1: He I thinks think he's good. found
0: the perfect woman. It starts off, she's beautiful. That's the, the, the door opener
1: for him. Yeah.
0: And after that... Yeah, you know, she can just say, you know, I was a ballerina, but I hurt my hip. Do we have proof of that? We don't um,
1: really. And it no, uh, definitely has the sort of white knight syndrome. That it's like, oh, she's like this wounded bird, and we want to rescue her. And it's like, oh, never, yeah, never fall into that trap. And That's even
0: his piece of shit trouble. friend who sets up the audition, gives him the idea,
1: yeah. is the one telling him, don't fuck with this chick. Don't fuck. I with her. know. That's like the irony of it. Is like I the know. Friend- gave him that horrible advice you know to to you know to people at this audition he's the one who's like yeah there's something really wrong with her you know you need to be really careful or just and, break this and off and he's but, checking
0: up on her and it's like Ayama is just like no you know what you can't change my mind i'm yep. i'm invested in this girl i am in, in love and he's like you know like that way that they describe love, and songs, and books, you know, <laughs> walking on clouds, and, you know, everything's <laughs> glittery and rainbows. Like, um, no? Uh, no, no, no. And so he sees that and is like, I can't stop you. I'm trying. I can't stop you. Even though I'm obviously a terrible, misogynistic piece of shit, I'm telling you, please leave her alone. Like, I, we cannot find any information to back up what she put in her... Because she, I mean, what... Not only does he have the audition, he
1: makes them write essays. essays. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I've, I've had applications myself where I had to write essays in addition to stuff. And I, as I get older, I just have less patience for that shit. Like in my 20s, I would have done that, you know. Right, like, exactly. Me too. But yeah, he is a middle aged guy. He's looking for women in their 20s. I mean, there is this, there's kind of a power imbalance there too. You know, he's established in his career, and he's looking for someone who, like, doesn't have any career. You well, know, they the must be talented. They must be yeah, talented. Yeah, but they have to have all this classical training, and like, Shh. yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, it's like he's trying to take, you know, certain ideal, uh, traits from his, uh, you know, his dead wife. Mm-hmm. Like she, uh, in the book, it's more explicit about that background, but she had a love of classical music and mm-hmm. you know, she supported him and like helped his career no matter what, even though he had some kind of affair with a bar hostess.
0: And not just that, but the woman in his office And when we were talking about the movie, who's mm-hmm. the one who's like, I, I'm getting married. Like and, and just sad because he doesn't even care. Because he's so in yeah. he's so what he thinks is love, in love with Asami. Mm-hmm
1: and it's I like mean, I, I do think men fall quote-unquote in love faster than women do in my they experience actually
0: do they actually do yeah, that
1: stereotype of women being like really you know eager to trap a man and you know snare him into marriage right away but actually in what at least in my experience and i think even you know psychological studies bear the out is that men fall head over heels a lot faster than women do and it's um
0: They're good at the fantasy game. They're much better at it. Women contributed with it, but we're a lot more pragmatic.
1: Mm -hmm. Whereas women want to like sit and kind of evaluate, you know, is this really the right guy or whatever? But it's like, I have noticed like so many times that like men who like just barely met me think that I'm the one and they're like rushing into something. It's like, back off, dude. Yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. I'm like, like.
0: you don't even know me, and I'm not giving... And they'll, they'll start asking me for personal information, and I'm just like... Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm not giving
1: number we just met. You know, there's... Mm, yeah.
0: You know, in my past, um, the best re- relationships that I had um, were the ones where I... We never had a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. We were involved romantically. I'm a romantic person, but do I fall immediately in love? Absolutely not. Like, I'm... Love it, love. It. It's like people equate love and sex. They put them in the same group, and they're not. I'm, I'm an, I'm, a, I am a biromantic asexual. You know, mm-hmm. so I had, um, I've had a girlfriend, and you know, um, she was wonderful to me. But see, because of my past, it's like I couldn't accept people being nice to me. So mm-hmm. you know, I would jump out of these relationships. But one of them, the guy was so obsessed with me, and this is a really fucking weird thing. This is before you know. I met uh, my sperm donor for my daughter. And we were just like, he, he mm-hmm. was grilling me with questions. And I think as a woman, we get that as horror fans. Um, it's like gatekeeping. But also, he, so he's asking me his questions. What's your favorite al- What's your favorite song from the first album that Danzig put out after he left Misfits? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, Twist of Cade. And he said, that's my favorite too. It's like it was a test. And, I, and we agreed, agreed on everything. And how he sealed the deal was he's like, he stuck his finger in my belly button and smelled it. We're hanging out with our friends, okay? This is somebody that was my friend. And I'm like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And he's just like, I want, I wanted to see what, it, what you smell like. And he's like, you smell like flowers. I'm like, well, I put on floral lotions and perfumes. And then he, and then he, he wanted to smell what my hair smelled like. And I, I, I just let myself be subjected to this. I did not know how to react in this situation. And we actually were involved for a minute. And it was, after that, it was, uh, it had its moments of greatness. But the first time that, you know, he wanted to kiss me, I'm drinking a Sprite. We're at a punk show because we like the same punk bands. We, we like exactly the same shit. It was like dating myself a little mm-hmm. bit but this motherfucker is smelling me like we're animals and i'm drinking a sprite and he wanted he's like can i have a drink of your sprite and he's holding a drink and i'm like why do you need a drink of my sprite he's like can i just have a drink of it and so i hand him the bottle he drinks out of it he's like i just wanted to know what you taste like i'm like okay um gotta go uh bye (laughs) it, it, it got weirder Cause I'll, I will tell you that because I'm dumb and I don't pay attention to red flags back then. Because I thought, you know, I I I had been diagnosed as frigid by doctors. You know, I'm going through these treatments. I just just I just accepted that that I was supposed to be treated like that, like almost like an animal. It was animal type stuff, you know. And it can get it gets it gets weirder. But I'll just stop there. Cause yeah, yeah, that, that's enough that you need to know. It's just like okay, so why did I stay? Because he never pressured me for sex, and that was so mm, 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 mm. relieving to me. But
1: treated yeah, me like an yeah, animal. This, yeah, I felt like yeah, I was, was a prize
0: cow scary. at the state fair or some shit, with a you know nice shiny coat, and you know like he's judging how I smell, how I look. Like I was being judged.
1: And, yeah. I, fit, and I and I and
0: I fit. I fit. I fit what he wanted. I smelled the way and tasted the way? And it very much. When I think back on it, reminds me of this movie, this book, because it yeah. is... There's almost an animalistic type of... You know, especially when we get to that graphic sex description. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he likes
0: the way her fluids smell, and the way, you know, they dried on his dick, and, and I'm just like... Um... Uh, yeah. I wish I could say that <laughs> I can't get in that headspace, but I can because it it's happened to me not maybe and not in the sexual way but other ways and so we have this universal theme of men wanting perfect women and women trying to be that perfect woman when they try mm-hmm. because I gave up I was like this is fucking weird and uh, this is not what I want. and I didn't I didn't know what I wanted I just wanted to be romantic with somebody and never ever have sex mm-hmm. but yeah you can't you cannot possibly we cannot possibly even in western culture we can't live up to what men expect out of us or you know i'm just saying like you know with women it's a little different they're not i'm sure there are obsessive women who are obsessed with other women but it was less threatening i didn't feel threatened
1: I I guess there's as far as like a story, not that I've experienced it directly, but it was a case that happened in Nebraska that I heard about when I was studying forensic science. But there was um, it was in rural Nebraska, but some woman was obsessed with some um, like sheriff's deputy or state trooper or something like that. Just this particular guy, like they went out on one date and he didn't think it was really a good match, but she wouldn't let it go. So and
0: that,
1: that I mean, still happens, yeah. Yeah, I mean she she kept kind of contact him and, you know, clean herself in situations where they could meet and things like that. So eventually what happened is she deliberately created a car accident where she would roll her car off the road, off the interstate or something or or some country highway, thinking that if you know, if he's called to the scene that he'll realize that he does have feelings for her and he does love her and that Maybe he'll give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation or something. Oh, my God. So uh, it did not work out the way she wanted. Of course, uh, you know, like, paramedics came to the scene, and she's like, I, you know, I have to see deputy so-and-so or trooper so-and-so. I don't don't remember what agency this was, but, um, you know, like, she she refused help from a whole bunch of different people and agencies who were there to help her. And she's like, I only, I only want to see, you know, so-and-so. So So that particular officer did show up and then he's like, do what the paramedics tell you to do. (laughs) So then he like, it, it obviously did not lead to any kind of romantic encounter, but I mean, the whole, she did the whole thing on purpose just for, you know, thinking that would somehow trigger his feelings toward her. It was like,
0: and and you yeah. just want to wonder about the psychology of this person, you oh, know. Yeah. Well, I don't like to dip my toes so much in true crime. It's because I get really involved. I get really emotional about it. But it's like, you know, this kind of shit. Like I am really curious about the the psychology behind it. You know, I've always felt like an outsider. Um, mm-hmm. in in re- in like relationships, I don't understand always them, and I was not looking something just landed in my lap and it was actually a good thing. I usually would wait till somebody aggressively pursued me to the point where I was like, I can't get out of this. I technically could, but my mentality told me I could not. Mm-hmm. And and I just can't imagine going to that kind of extreme, you know, but see, there's a, I mean, it, it's a real thing. I mean, it, it happens and it happens a lot more than people think. Um, these okay. types of situations and, um, It's definitely a great subject matter. Um, you know, this book was made into a movie two years after it came out. So, it was a hot property. And, uh, the author, um... God, I wrote his name down, hold on. Ryo... Oh, goodness. Murakashi? I think it is Ryo... I can't find it on my list, but I think it's Ryo Murakashi. And, um... (laughs) I'm I'm probably just gonna mangle the hell out of his name. Yay, I think so. I just did, so
1: it's okay. <laughs> we're sorry. We're we're Americans. We're sorry. Um,
0: yeah, we're, you know, Murakami. Murakami, uh, Murakami. Okay, I have it written down, and I cannot there. And there it is. I just found it in my notes. <laughs> Funny, but <laughs> he wrote some interesting other books like Coin Locker Babies, which was optioned by Takashi Miike. The the it just never happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. We got
1: Achieva yeah, instead. What uh, his other films, uh, not films, his other novels. I mean,
0: yeah, Coin uh, Locker Babies. Um, I'm trying to locate. It's hard to find them in the states because uh, you know, of course, they, they're translated and sometimes you, they'll, they're there's a limited run. Uh, we're, I'm trying currently to get my hands on Queen Locker Babies, even though I know what it's about. It's and it's also disturbing, but a real, uh, thing, and so. I think the author tries to talk about things that make people uncomfortable and succession Mika is like hold my fucking beer that's what I do. And but again he toned it down and I really I do see a lot of the the complaints about the pacing in this film. Like I guess they you know and I talk about, you know, with jump scares how that works today. I'm like do you understand that you are being played? You are being controlled. Yeah. By oh, the, yeah. you know, like if you want to give me a jump scare, make make me earn it make me care because if you give me jump scares it don't mean shit like you know you're sitting there they get super quiet and super tense and a cat runs and it scares you you know like
1: that's fucking with me that's the worst one although i have to give some points back uh you know even though the movie's so bland in retrospect that the grudge where there's the jump scare with the cat like oh it's just the cat well the cat's a ghost too so i I have to give it some points
0: right right (laughs) And they don't ever really address that. You just sort of have to puzzle that out. That, oh. Because uh-huh. you see them in the grudge, like, oh, there's a cat. Um, like, we don't fucking own a cat. When you know that? Like, right. I would be a lot more upset about it. Like, I don't own a cat. What, how did a cat get in my house? But, yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, some things get lost in translation, I believe. But this, um... One one of my my fun facts about this, uh, you know that I'm a big My Chemical Romance fan, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I I was I liked them too quite a lot. Of
0: their first album came out, and the first single they ever released is uh, it's on their greatest hits even. It's one of my favorite, and it, it has a lot of horror tributes in it. <laughs> um, the song itself isn't about audition, but they made um, it's honey. This mirror isn't big enough for the two of us. Because, You know, emo bands in the early 2000s they had these really long names for songs okay. for absolutely no reason, it's just a thing. Fall Out Boy used to do it, whatever. That's but on there, go. there's a song called Uh, Early Sunsets Over Monroeville Dawn of the Dead, and I and that's it's a really great, oh, okay. it's a really great emotional song. I mean, it's not like what people would think of, like with MCR, sort of these like fun little bops, it's it's a dark. Horrible mm-hmm. song that song has like a really upbeat song about rolling blowing your brains out and uh, <laughs> So when the, their first single was honey, this mirror isn't big big enough for the two of us and they actually Took audition and the, the video is them you see some shots of the band singing and, and playing But it's telling the story of audition, but with a different ending
1: Okay, interesting. and I've
0: always loved the video because of the tie back to audition and I love the song anyway, but, uh, yeah, so how they end the um, the the video is, everything's the same. I mean, of course, it's toned down a little bit. Like, they're not, they're, they're implying things that, that, that are shown in the actual film. But, same story, but at the end, there's two bags, and she's sitting there.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. She, him,
0: she does the things to him, and there's two bags. That's how that That's ends. True. And I'm like, hmm, I kind of like that like props <laughs> because what a great fucking album and they obviously are horror fans and i really like that they came out like you know just like fucking hardcore like you know what audition here you go and to our style i, this,
1: this, I, this song. The I have to, to seek that out it's, yeah it's uh, you know it's not yeah, a super cool. long
0: song but i mean that whole album um their first album you should absolutely check out it's on spotify but early sunsets of a it means a lot to me because Dawn of the Dead, I'm like, hi, oh, I love Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and it's and just their artistic style and music is really, really great. And speaking of music, we we can't we would be remiss if we don't talk about Rob Zombie for a second. Um oh, yeah. So Rob Zombie and and we know about Rob Zombie he's very derivative of horror. And I'm I, I know that he's trying to do his own visions. and I, I don't get into his his film work, I can praise it where it needs praise. There's not a lot of places where I'm, I'm like, okay, so he took The Hills Have Eyes and, and put, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre with it. Like, okay, we get it. You're attributing. It's like, it's like covering a song, basically. That's what he's doing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a twist on Halloween. Whatever. But Rob Zombie says, and I quote, it's the creepiest and most upsetting horror film
1: ever about Audition. Oh, yeah, I do remember he said that about it. I don't know that it is the creepiest and most upsetting. I mean, there are so many contenders for that spot for me, but I mean, it's definitely up there.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, it's like like I said at the very beginning, Link, you know, I I get, you know, I like to read um, those articles where they're extreme films because I'm always like checking them. Like, how many have have I seen this? How do I need to seek this? A lot of them are foreign films. America, we're a little pussified for
1: Probably the most yeah. part. More um, than a bit, every yes. once in a
0: while, you know, once in a while, Eli Roth will throw some shit out there. But, you know, but it, it, it's <laughs> not, not on par like Martyrs of the French film, um, you know, these extreme mm-hmm. horror films. But Audition is always on there and always ranked very, very high. And it's like. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think people they start this and they're disappointed with the movie, because they're like, "What the fuck is even going on?" I'm like, really, honestly, it actually is very important, and mm-hmm. and so we earn not what's a jump scare; it's so beyond a jump scare. The ending, it's it's the okay. it's the final act. It's it's twenty minutes of your fucking life that you're gonna go, "Oh my god, oh my god, okay. no, 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 no." So my little quote that I started out with, and I probably butchered a little bit because I'm tired and it's but. You know, we keep, we have to go into the torture a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> and, and I have to talk, you know, and everybody has, I've noticed, um, for people who are, are fans or have viewed this film, not everybody who's viewed this film is a fan. Um, you know, it's one of those because it's, ex- it's considered extreme. And I think it, the ending is. Um but you know, we talked about her serenity in doing the things that she's doing, and we all have that moment where we were just like, "Oh, that's that's the one thing that really got me." But you know, that little that what it means is deeper. So you know, she's putting, she's giving him this agent that they basically just kind of made up. It's not a real thing. Um, that makes him unable to move, but to feel pain intensely. Mm-hmm. And she's taking those those like needles and just into like the because you know he's an older guy and um i love Ryu ishibashi he was a big music star in japan before he started acting we talked about him and being in the american grudge so i'm like oh Ryu ishibashi <laughs> i'm very excited but um so he's laying there and he's got like some bags under his eyes but the under you gotta think about the under part of your eye
1: yeah
0: <laughs> i was just having to explain this because i use Um, something that helps build up the lipids, uh, all like a 360 cream on every part of my eyes, you know, not my Mm -hmm. eyeball because those never replenish. It's a very thin, like that's why you tap in your moisturizer. You don't rub it because that skin is so sensitive. She's putting those needles right into that, not in the eyeball, but underneath where Mm -hmm. the skin is so delicate and thin and sensitive. And she's just and she's tapping them and doing a little bit of a twist. And when she's saying that like, kitty kitty kitty, you know, it means yeah. deeper. So she's and she's just smiling, doing that. And she does that for quite some time.
1: Yeah, like uh, the really gleeful part when she's like using that wire to cut his foot off, and she's, and she's like so animated and smiling. And you're just like and the way she just like, like chucks his foot off to the side, and it bounces and off. Get the, this fucking the, shit the out of here! Door. <laughs>
0: And you know, it's just like a moment, you know, because we see on the cover, and I wish there was different cover art because, but I guess at this point, you know, mm-hmm. we're some, it, it's it was made in 1999, but that she's on the cover in that black apron, holding the hypo dermic needle, you know, and mm-hmm. and just looking just gorgeous and terrifying at the same time. But you know, I think it's one of those things. You look at her first. Okay. What do we look at first? We look at her face. She's smiling. <laughs> And so yeah. you're like, okay, I'm in for some shit, but then that's when people get disappointed. I wouldn't have made I wouldn't have made that the cover. Just like yeah. you know, we talked <laughs> about that with Intruder, like they literally put the killer on there. Like so you ruined what a slasher is. You ruined Yeah. It <laughs> it.
1: Although yeah. in the in the novel, I mean they, they definitely hint that something terrible will happen very early on that, you know, they are talking about uh, you know that he was really invested in his fa- fantasy, and he had no idea the horrors that would await him. Whatever that line was, so I was mean, like, they don't explicitly tell you what it is. But, you know, something bad is going to go down eventually. <laughs> but I
0: also like how in the book it literally calls out what it is. There's, a, it's the end of a chapter. I can't remember what chapter. Pretty early on,
1: yeah, there's um, where where our main about. character
0: Ayami, he's like. I became the thing that I once was, the male stare.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great moment.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So he's acknowledging that.
1: There's definitely sort of a, yeah, yeah, there's also this foreshadowing um, when he's like, he meets with her at that restaurant, and there's this guy in a wheelchair He's missing his feet and then, you he know, seems her. to recognize her and looks, yeah, very startled and, you know, wants to get out of there quickly. And it's like, yeah. And here's he e- just
0: Aoyama, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was some weird fucking thing that happened. He's so invested because he's found the perfect woman. <laughs> and she just happens yeah, to be 20 girl- years younger than him. Like, that yeah. is, that's that's weird that it's a universal almost thing on this planet from mm-hmm. older men to get with these younger women and for me uh, the idea of dating anyone who's 20 years younger than me kind of
1: makes me sick it's tell my stomach like yeah i think i would just be so annoyed like there's just such a what do you have in, in common yeah it's like i don't know i mean i wouldn't want to date my 20 year old self
0: fuck no god damn i was a mess at 20
1: <sighs> i just i just feel like that would but it, it just seems, yeah, so culturally accepted that oh, middle-aged guys can get with uh, you know people in their twenties, and that's okay. But it's like, the like difference, interesting it's just,
0: that we oh. don't have a term for that. Not really. Yeah.
1: yeah but for women, really.
0: when women do it, because my mom
1: uh, <laughs>
0: is married to a man who's only about three, four years older than I am. Um, it she's called a cougar.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. a
0: term for when a woman does it because it's like. Almost like women shouldn't do that, and because of that, we're going to label you. But men, it's so socially acceptable that we don't even have a name for it. It's just normal, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: It's you know the male the male gaze, the male stare. We've talked about that we, because when we did the love witch, we talked about this is the female gaze, uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. and
0: neither one of them are a great thing. Right, not good. But you know that was uh, the love witch was one of the first. Um, films that I heard them use the female gaze. Anna Biller is so impressive, but here yeah.
1: we mm-hmm. got the male
0: gaze, and you know what? We don't think it's that fucking weird, because it's that's how it is. And mm-hmm. we, we accept these, these kind of things about men, because, oh, boys will be boys type shit, and I'm glad that we're trying to fight back against that now. Like, no, boys should absolutely not do that. Like, when they do something bad, oh, boys will be boys. I think they used that in a recent, like, rape trial. Oh, they were just young boys, you know, like, the fuck did they know? I'm like, a woman's life is fucking ruined. Do you know what it's right. like? And, right. and just to be a joke and it be so public and everybody's okay with it, boys will be boys.
1: Oh, yeah, where's, where's just...
0: girls will be girls? Girls are a bitch if they talk back, if they have opinions that are different. If they, if you know, whatever they do, it's like we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, that, The fact that that still happens...
1: I'm just oh like... yeah it's it's infuriating
0: Oh absolutely and so this is why it is both a feminist film and a misogynistic film It is absolutely mm-hmm. both because it's drawing attention to these negative and predatory and insane expectations of men and at the same time mm-hmm. y- y- you know it, you you cannot get through that movie without thinking about that because it's so oh, yeah. Im, important. It's so pressed into you. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, yeah, everybody talks about the last twenty minutes, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are, what are we witnessing before that? Shouldn't that be important? I think it is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it is, and that's why every time I watch it, I like it more.
1: Um, yeah,
0: because yeah. It's, it, it's it's actually drawing attention to the fact, like, hey, this isn't okay. And the feminist part of it is, you know, us realizing that and saying something about it. Um, it, The feminist things are are things that, what we take away. It's not necessarily there, but it's what we take away. Do Mm -hmm. we feel bad that he did that to, that she did that to him? I don't. But do I agree with it? Absolutely not.
1: Right. Karma is
0: a real fucking bitch, isn't it?
1: Because you
0: were molding her <laughs> to be he definitely,
1: you know, Some kind of consequence. Um, I mean, personally, I probably would go as far as cutting his foot off. But no. uh, he definitely yeah. had, he definitely needed some kind of comeuppance for that bullshit that he pulled.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so it's like it—it it, it, it was like a switcheroo almost, because we have him creating her, building her into this fantasy. And she's Mm -hmm. playing along, but at the end, it's her turn. It's her turn to make him what she wants him to be.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying I agree with what she did. I'm just saying, like, that is the message. That is the fucking point. And you cannot look away from that. You cannot say that. that, Like, like, why this bitch is crazy? Why would she do that? I'm like, you don't. You're not giving any credence to the fact that what he did
1: fraudulent nice.
0: things you know build a wife type shit making them write essays and shit for uh, and for... and these people who these women who do have the talents that he wants who are trying to get a job but he doesn't want them to make
1: it he's like well he's i don't that... want her to be as successful at what she's doing but she has to have the yeah, he, he doesn't care that he's crushing dreams with this bullshit audition yeah because it's not about their dreams it's about him I know. Yeah. So I mean, he is—he is a very selfish character, and so selfish he doesn't even know how selfish he is. <laughs> and that's sometimes the worst. Uh-huh, the worst uh-huh. when
0: people, when people are what they are, and don't even recognize the fact that they are doing that. Don't even, yeah. know, or they'll see other people do it and get disgusted and not know that that's exactly what they're doing. Like uh-huh. that—that is, I see that all the time in the world. I just. I'm one of those people who I like to observe. It's the writer in me, and I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so as far as the the torture scene, what was the part that really bugged you? What was the part that made your skin crawl?
1: Well, in terms of like the physical acts, or just the whole thing, um, um any of it, whatever, whatever grabbed I, you. I mean, I guess for me, it's just the contrast between the stuff she's doing to him and her own demeanor that was really disturbing. Absolutely. Um, I, as far as like, you know, the acupuncture needle thing didn't bother me as much until she scooted up onto his chest and sat That's on the needle. That's my part. When, when, it's like, Ugh. So She
0: spends all this time, you know, putting these needles in, like very carefully gently smiling and then she climbs up on his chest and it's i'm like oh 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 come on now oh my god
1: yeah yeah, that that part did really make me cringe and then like uh you know the amputation with the wire was like you know The uh...
0: the way that she did it was just like oh god you made this way more
1: horrible than it already was yeah, I've also found it interesting the novel. They state that she uh, learned about that wire from a cooking show. You know that that's a way to cut through meat and things like that. So it's like she took something that's like traditionally a feminine skill set, which would be uh, cooking. You know, think of that as homemaker stuff, and then she uses that tool <laughs> to um, do terrible things to the men in her life. Yeah,
0: and I, I really feel like she's a predator.
1: You know, uh, yeah, a predator.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, 'Cause not only does she kill people and animals, she tortures them first. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit. Um and I think that if uh they had done the, the dog scene. Oh. oh my god, people it would be like cannibal holocaust type shit. Like, we're gonna warn <laughs> you when this happens. Because what, as horror fans we, we don't care what happens to the people. I mean we're interested. But kill all the people that you want. Don't fuck okay, with the animals.
1: Yeah, it doesn't hit you in, in the feels as much. If there's animal cruelties, I mean, even if they had.
0: Like, what did the fucking our... dog do
1: to anybody? Well, you know, he loved the dog too, and he's not allowed to love anyone else, so. Right. So, <laughs> even
0: if he didn't have a son,
1: uh-huh. he, she would have done that over the dog. Yep, yeah, exactly, which is like super creepy. And um, also, you get yeah, the implication
0: had... that he was also fucking the housekeeper for some time. Did yeah, there major a... vibes
1: yeah there, there were definitely some things in the film where it's like i have some questions about his relationships with some of these other women you know <laughs> like and i
0: i really like this scene where um she's trying to go during his little dream type thing where he's looking at things and he looks down and asami's like going down on him
1: yeah yeah she's that's on her knees going down yeah. on
0: him and then she looks up and it's uh his bro- uh, brother, oh my god, his son's girlfriend, who yeah. is a schoolgirl. I mean, right. literally not legal. Then uh-huh. it's her. Then it's the chick from the office, mm-hmm. and the, you know, it's, it's like all these women that he's done shit to,
1: like or, or uh, he fantasizes or fantasize
0: about. I and mean, right. I think his weapon of choice is the fantasizing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe Asami had seen that so much and she she has uh she had some difficult things growing up. most people can you know with with you know that's why we have psychiatrists and and we talk more about mental health these days, but that's not actually a big thing in Japan mental health it is not so you know um Asami was not getting treated, but actually the people who don't get treated. Um, Like, there's me. Obviously, I have to see a psychiatrist um, all the time. I take my medications. I have to also do therapy. I do a very intensive therapy. It's the people who don't get therapy.
1: Because Mm -hmm. I know
0: that I need work, and it's not because I'm a danger to myself or others. It's not anything. It's just because, like, I don't want this to run my life. But there's people out there that are so sick that they feel justified. They feel like there's nothing wrong with them. And I'm like, oh my god, everything is wrong with you, and you are frightening. And you can't force them unless you get them in like a fifty-one fifty hold. And those are hard to get unless they're being completely violent with you. And if they're being
1: completely violent
0: with you, your life is in danger.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's just trying to lead those people, like, please get help. But they don't—they don't know that something's wrong with them. They have no idea.
1: Mm-hmm. The world is
0: wrong, and I can tell you that from personal experience in a situation I'm dealing with right now. um... Mm-hmm my biological father is drinking himself to death and uh, he just refuses to get help Um, he refuses to get psychiatric help because I believe in dual diagnosis with addiction that everyone who's an addict has mental health issues but there's some people they just just don't He he thinks he's smarter than doctors and I'm just like Jesus Christ why am I seeing a psychiatrist I don't think any of that I never went to medical school. I know that there are doctors. I'm going to listen to them. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, it's the
1: people who need it the most that don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, for certain personality disorders, the people who really are, like, so destructive toward other people will never see that they themselves are the cause of those problems. It's like what you said. It's always, it's the rest of the world. It's not me, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and you're just it's kinda so like impressive. how can the rest of the world, billions of people be wrong, but you are right? You're the only person you got or something? Right. Like, right. What the fuck is this? Exactly. <laughs> so
1: right. yeah. I mean it's it, so distorted and it drives me crazy. And those
0: are the people you gotta watch out
1: for. You really do.
0: Hmm. Um you know, when I yeah, see... Yeah, you do. And and yeah, I, I just there's disturbed people out of dealing with a disturbed person situation right now both of us kind of are um but yeah i mean it's just my ex-husband was very much uh like that he could create a personality Mm
1: -hmm. and he can't they can't the thing is with these people they can't do it for very long right they can't maintain it they can't maintain it especially in an intimate relationship or a situation where you like live together or work together for long periods of time, because that mask definitely slips off.
0: Yeah. In Um, the time that I, um, met, courted, got married, which is pretty quick. Um, and I was dumb, really fucking dumb in my twenties.
1: Um, Oh, well, I, you know, I was super dumb, too. I
0: think it just goes with the territory. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in 20 to 20, it's like the world expects you to have your, your whole life figured out, and you don't know a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I, I married him, and it's like then he was somebody else.
1: Uh-huh. And, it's like, and then it
0: started to get to the point where I didn't know when I woke up who I was uh-huh. going to be dealing with. And he does not have dissociative identity disorder or split personality. It is borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, They're violent. They they create they have no sense of self so they create um, an image and it usually has something that is attached to it. I'm going to be uh, and and this is not about Sean because he's a, a great wonderful person. Of course, like, yeah. he, he could be like I'm going to be a professional skateboarder. I'm going to fucking ride unicycles
1: professionally, like
0: or whatever it is. Some yeah. usually something really dumb, really reckless, really unattainable,
1: and right or yeah someone who's like i'm gonna be a doctor but then they never take any steps to go to medical school well that (laughs) is exactly
0: what happened to end that marriage Uh, um there were so many things but that was i laughed i couldn't help it Mm -hmm. because he was like well so what you need to do is go to work and uh i'm gonna quit my job and i'm gonna go to medical school i'm like
1: you didn't even go to college
0: you're fucking kidding you're fucking kidding me right
1: now (laughs) Yeah, it's like you don't just walk into medical school and start taking courses. There's a whole process and testing and everything else. It's not, you know, an easy well, thing to do. With him. <laughs> he thought
0: he knew what he was doing though because he was
1: oh uh, he had been a body oh,
0: piercer oh. and there's uh there's what are called skin removals um and they're fucked up i never did that i had like 23 piercings but you weren't fucking cutting on me unless you i always, i had to go into surgery or something and <laughs> not with him and a scalpel in his hand and he had scalpels because he would do these flesh removals and that's it was like a,
1: a an extreme form of body modification oh is that like the scarification kind of thing i yes seen... there's scarification and then there's know. there's
0: flesh removals and so like you know it could be like a puzzle piece and they just remove the flesh down to you know like the subcutaneous level type shit and it's like so he thought he was a doctor yeah, and i'm like I've
1: seen, mm, I've no seen um,
0: yeah no i, I mean, mean
1: i could probably figure out how to do that myself. well it's not like i'm gonna do like gonna become a doctor because of you know that <laughs> just because you own a
0: scalpel doesn't mean you can go to medical school <laughs> but yeah, so, so it was, like it was stuff like world. that. I mean, that's it's such amazing. a change, and they cannot maintain it, so they have to find a new identity. And mm-hmm. and the final identity that I was there for was I'm going to medical school, and um, I'm a born again Christian. When we got married, I married an atheist punk. I uh-huh. divorced an abusive born again Christian psychopath.
1: Oh, no. Who is very
0: reckless, and they're reckless with money, and they're they have prone to violence. So, I think borderline personality disorder definitely mm-hmm. could be in play with some other things for Asami.
1: I um, was wondering that too. I was actually going to bring up borderline personality disorder. Because... I have a lot
0: of experience with it because of my past marriage. I don't have it myself. I don't I don't have any personality disorders, but I do have like you know all three anxiety disorders and PTSD, whatever. Mostly from people with borderline personality disorder,
1: honestly. And narcissism would be another big, like... Major answer. narcissism. Yeah. Major. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The narcissists with- are, like,
0: the fucking worst
1: to deal with. They are. Oh, They're my gosh. really like, awful. I, I don't know, like... And I also experienced some of those personality disorders in my professional work when I did, like, some social work and casework, And with one of my jobs, um, uh, I worked with women who either, you know, sometimes came right out of prison or came out of, like... Um, you know, inpatient drug rehab. Uh, So, I mean, some of them already had different diagnoses, but actually one of the best people I had, I had borderline personality disorder, but she was really working hard on herself. Like, and that is so
0: odd for that type what, of personality. I it
1: was really unusual. But then, like the the most difficult, most maddening person I had was dual diagnosed borderline and histrionic personality. That disorder. is exactly
0: my my ex husband's diagnosis. He had histrionic mixed with borderline, <laughs> and so Jesus Christ, like uh-huh. that was a fucking yeah. roller coaster, and
1: it was scary. It was frightening. It was but frightening. I, it is like yeah, I, I was like constantly on edge, like first she seems so sweet but then it's like oh at gosh first. she just plays these mind games all in but yeah the, the the woman who just had borderline pressure, i shouldn't say just because it's a serious thing but i mean at least she she recognized she had a problem and she was really trying to be self-aware and like uh, monitor her own behaviors and not act out
0: and in that's those
1: wonderful ways. yeah every now and then she would you know have you know some behavior that would come up or like just verbally exploded at someone and storm off but then Couple hours later, she's like, "I was out of line. My real, you know, my expectations were unrealistic for you, and I'm sorry. You know, I mean, so I mean, she was really trying, but this. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's really... I have never heard of anybody in my experience. I, I've never seen anybody do that. I've never experienced right. that. So it's good to hear there. that story. It's really it's
1: good. good to hear it's possible, right? It's usually people with the was cluster B personality disorders don't have much self awareness, or you know, or they don't think that they themselves are the problem or even part of the problem so but yeah the, the dual borderline and histrionic was it's a mess <laughs> it's a nightmare it just, uh, imagine yeah,
0: being married was. to that oh, gee. <laughs> Jesus like I mean there's a lot more to my, marriage, my ex marriage and I don't even like to talk about it because there's, there was something about me that I because I work on my mental health all the time I mean I have been mm-hmm. doing that since I was 15 years old I want mm-hmm. to be better but there's something in me, uh, like abuse and, and being treated badly as a child when our personalities are forming in my very early years. So that sometimes I think red flags are me overreacting because everybody tells me I overreact, that my feelings are well, not Yeah, bad. I mean,
1: I'm that same way, too. And with me, I think it was sort of the uh, spiritually, you know, an emotionally abusive uh, church climate I grew up in. Oh, yeah especially was very dismissive toward uh, women, you know, and our experiences, but there was this also this layer of Christianity that was warped and pressed over it, like, you need to turn the other cheek and forgive this person, and just look for the good in them, it's like... Sometimes there's no good,
0: sometimes there isn't any,
1: and that is a
0: fact, I mean, I've seen it, I've lived it, and it's like, I work really hard to be the best part the, the best me i can be and i think that's what we should all do but people with um, that nasty cocktail of histrionic which involves narcissism and acting out and wanting to have attention they're very extreme people mixed with borderline which is a mixture of abuse anger issues um not being able to maintain a sense of self it's I, I'm, I'm just like i can't do this i can't fucking do this um, right, right. It was dangerous. Yeah. Like, my life was at, on the line, And I, I had mm-hmm. to go. I fled. And, and he stalked me for five years. Oh, jeez. It's only been in the last couple of years that I stopped keeping knives by the door. Because I was afraid oh, he, wow. he knew where I was. And mm-hmm. he's crazy enough to do it. I've seen what he can do. But anyway, um, that does, you know, I, I really do think that does play into the movie i wasn't trying to deviate too much but we do have
1: to well i think it does because i i thought some of the the diagnostic traits associated with borderline personality like uh you know she definitely has issues with abandonment although in her mind abandonment so i mean talk about unrealistic like it it's not enough if she's like the exclusive partner in a relationship like that that other person can't have anyone else in their life because then that's
0: no parents, no pets, no children, no friends, nobody. No love whatsoever yeah. for anyone else.
1: And, yeah, that's, yeah, and so this
0: is basically a war of mm-hmm. two people who have unrealistic expectations.
1: Yeah. Of absolutely-
0: Both of them are, uh-huh. are very unrealistic. So maybe that that's just like the, the, the worst dynamic duo I've ever fucking seen. Like, so he's being unrealistic. <laughs> he, but we... <laughs> Oh god.
1: She's so gorgeous. I love that. That's awesome. That's I, I awesome. that that moment when they're looking at each other's eyes each other's eyes, you know, as um, they're dying or close to death, that's like maybe the only time they've actually been honest with each other or looking at each other as they really are, not as the projections that they've put upon each other.
0: Right. And that's something that we don't have in the in the book. I really like mm-hmm. how he did it in the film because she's He's like <laughs> I'm sorry. Well.
1: Oh. And he is funny it's so like wrong in ways whereas the son's like, what was that about? He's like, nothing. <laughs> it like so I guess men are still like gonna dismiss women's uh, feelings, like even if you're if you've lost your feet because of it. Yeah, it's nothing. no big deal. Yeah, yeah. And but,
0: and, yeah. and that that somehow makes it feel like did he even learn anything?
1: Apparently not. That's uh-huh. my impression from the book.
0: Is like, yeah, he doesn't understand. Yeah, it, it, I don't, I, having seen the movie first, mm-hmm. and I, I just think he uh, Takashimikae really handled the um the the material very well. So I like that scene. We're pretty sure that Ayama is not going to die. He doesn't have a foot, but um, you know, and he's bleeding. He's been tortured, but he's looking at her. And she's, mm-hmm. her neck is clearly broken, you know, she gave to the rescue, his son. Um, but uh, she's laying there with a broken neck and, like, parrot-like, repeating, I've been waiting for you to call. I'm so excited <laughs> to meet you. It's just the, that tone of voice that she had, you know, like, very sweet, soft, seeming, seemingly oh, yeah. shy almost. And, like, oh, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for your call. I'm so excited to see you. I've been waiting for your call. It just keeps going on until she dies, and you're just like, <laughs> "Okay." Um. So in that moment, if you hadn't figured it out, she's been <laughs> doing this a long time. This is all pre-recorded. Uh-huh. You know, we're not getting live broadcasts. We're getting pre-recorded shit. Right.
1: Because right, she's been doing this. I wonder, hypothetically, like, how many victims does she have? Like, you know, she's only, what, 24 years old or something yeah. like that. Yeah,
0: and it's clear but she has quite a, a body
1: count. She's developed a whole system. She has a torture and murder kit. Um, she knows what drugs work, you know, for certain effects. So it's like, but it's like, to get to that point, how much, like, botched experiments does she have? Like, what, what level of trial and error did it take you know, for her to get to that point of having a system pretty much perfected. That's just something I like to know. I think,
0: I think really the first person, the first victim, was the uncle.
1: I think so, yes. Um, we see him
0: in what looks like that deserted, mm-hmm. um, you know, dance studio at the piano. Um, you don't think he's alive, even, or some, it's almost hard to tell that these in the chair
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. until you hear
0: the piano play a little bit. And he goes mm-hmm. over there and he's asking the questions, you know, and it's just like, and then, you know, she later goes in and cuts his hat off with, you know, that her favorite cutting wires. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I think he was the start because he was the, he helped birth what Asami was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she got him first. Like yeah. okay, you know what? Nah, I'm. Uh, you're going first. And so I feel like, and of course, there's the world. The body was dismembered of the person that she claimed was uh, a source that knew her and worked for. She worked for them at this bar sometimes, you know. Oh, and- yeah, that's
1: great. Yeah, that that was another thing that was like a you know a glaring falsehood in the story she told that she worked part time at this bar, nightclub, or whatever. And like the place is shut down mm-hmm. completely. So it's like that's that should have been a bigger red flag to him, even in the but the he's, he's about the record fantasizing
0: all of this, you know, yeah. which she isn't, and he's and he's making excuses for her because he he's in love, but he's in love with an idea, an ideal, I should say, an ideal. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep, that's true.
0: So you know when you get to that part and it's like, well, there's this complete dismembered body, but we found extra parts, and it's kind of like. Fuck! What? Yeah, well, well, like so what's fun. next? <laughs> We're gonna find right. out, and we do find out. That's that's the right. bad guy.
1: The way the film of that was so whack. Like they show this whole scene with this Dutch angle and these weird colored lights.
0: Yeah, and then the like, tongue kind of like guy's... and wriggling.
1: And then he sees it off in the corner, like flapping around and is startled. And it's like that's such a that was like that was such an odd, uh, odd very literal way of adapting that scene from the book. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I thought it was creative because it gave sort of a nightmarish, mm-hmm. almost unbelievability to uh-huh. the truth
1: of uh-huh. what happened. Yeah. You
0: know, and and you know, so he's even at that time, kind of I mean, it's almost cartoonish.
1: It was, especially those you know? parts are still moving. Too, yeah, so was-
0: like you know, we're seeing the eyeball, the tongue, the, these extra fingers are wriggling, they're moving, especially the tongue. Oh god.
1: Yeah, um, I was like.
0: That's the one part of my body I never pierced. And when she puts that fucking needle in his tongue, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. Not doing (laughs) that. Not doing that. I'll pierce all kinds of... I have some really rare piercings that the majority of the world is afraid to get, but I have them. And it's like, Mm -hmm. but you're not sticking a fucking needle in my tongue. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not. I bite my tongue, and I'm crying. Like, no. No. So, yeah, I think that was a bit of him bringing you know the meshing of reality and his ideal type situation him trying to rationalize it so kind of yeah it's scary but it's a little cartoony so it's not like so scary and you know there's an explanation and you know maybe there was a mistake maybe maybe you know that's what we do when we you know but this is done on a much larger scale every fucking signpost was red, and he just he painted them pink. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, so I think both of them got got what they deserved. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's extreme, but they both got what they deserved. And mm-hmm. I do like the artistic vision of Takashi Miike. Uh, like I said, this is uh, very toned down for him. So I, I, but I'm always scouring this list, and it's always on there just because of the ending. People cannot tolerate it. And I'm just kind of like, where did you think this story was going to go? You know, the signposts were there. Did you not? Oh, yeah. Know? And, and mm-hmm. because and people get bored in that first hour because it's just a meeting and, you know, him committing fucking fraud and reading essays and looking at pictures and making them demonstrate their talents. And it's like, isn't there like a porn thing like that where it's like, you know, a casting couch or something?
1: can kind of have that. Bide to it. Yeah, so... Only it was like a reverse casting couch in the sense that they think they're, you know, coming in to, you know, become an actress in some big TV project, but it's really auditioning to be his, his wife. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, giving him, like, sexual, you know, whatever, services in exchange for becoming an actress. It was, like... But it was just a a
0: soulless. It was still, so still soulless. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I just like it, it's it's a it's a movie with characters who, literally, it, it's a, the rarity where everybody gets their comeuppance, and nobody is the good guy, nobody's the bad guy because mm-hmm. we can't distinguish that, Um we can't distinguish who is good and who is bad because they're both bad. We know that, but do they have good things? I'm um, sure. I mean, we know for Aoyama, you know, he loves a son. He did mm-hmm. love his wife. I mean, he did something for fucking other people, but, you know, he loved his wife. And, um, you know, he's looking for an upgrade. Younger wife.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, I mean, it would be so weird to try and enter a, a dating thing and have to write an essay. Like, I'm auditioning for your wife.
1: Yeah, no we,
0: In My essay in 500 words or less is, um, and her essay in this is odd. <laughs> Her essay is says, "I know that I shouldn't be here. I don't have the talent. You shouldn't pick me." And it's almost like she plucked that out of his head because that's what he wanted.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. He said, like, "I
0: want somebody who's ambitious, but we are not going to let them have any ambition. Of course, we're not going to let them realize any dreams. Um, but we want them to have a uh, you know ambition. Then we, we want them to to be the type that I always try." And it's like, "You son of a bitch." motherfucker like
1: what
0: oh my god so so much to unpack and i could i could go on i i I, why do i love this movie i guess um we'll go into my rating if that's okay so i have to rate this surprise 10 out of 10 dog bowls of vomit (laughs) The first time I watched this movie, I thought, I am never going to watch this movie again. Like, oh my god. It, it kind of, it fucked with me. It really fucked with me. I left like, like, oh my god. Like, what? What the fuck? And, but then I I was kind of like, I need to watch that again. I think I need to watch that again. And then every time that I have rewatched it, which has been many a time, because I, I bring it up on the regular show, on the regular portion of our show, often like telling people, watch audition, watch audition. I'm basically a walking billboard for this movie. I think every time that you watch it, you glean some type of more insight. Um, you get a little bit more from it. And it does. It, it is a think piece a little bit. You know, people come for the the extreme, but then they realize, like, I got to wait for that. In the meantime, you need to fucking think about it. Think about this shit. And then after you watch it the first time, you need to re- go back and watch it again. Because I, I think it's, it's better upon repeat viewing. Um, it deserves to be an, uh, an extreme film. But I don't find it as extreme as other films. So that's why it surprised me that it makes a top 10. It, it should be on the list. But I, I've seen more extreme shit. Mm-hmm. But I think, and this is you know my personal opinion. I always talk about how like slow burns um, make me care. Make me yeah. be interested. Because then when the shit happens, it, it's going to hit you like a fucking gut punch. And I like that. You know? And we're starting to see, you know, like Ari Aster's really good at it. Another one, he used some um, interesting wire to uh, do some mutilations. It was hereditary. but And I appreciate his, him wanting to make people feel uncomfortable. And so it's like, you know... People want to be scared, want to be disturbed, but they don't want to be uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable film. It's because you have to look at things mm-hmm. and examine things as to why this happens. Do we still have a satisfying conclusion on why this happens? No. But can we think about it? Can we think about behaviors of other people that we know? You just start associating other things with it, Um. You know, my my end result here is it's not a feminist film, but I think it's important to start a feminist conversation. I think it is a great conversation starter and moving into feminism because there are things that we can pluck out about this that apply to feminism and that we need to change, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things that we need to fight for and things that we need to, to, to you know, pull the switch on. Like, no, 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 no. This is not Okay. And, um, cause you know, everybody's like, oh, Asami, you know, what a bitch. I can't believe she did that. I'm like, I can't believe he, he put himself in this position. And so that's what I'm saying. I, every time I watch it, I think. And you should think. So it gets a 10 out of 10 for me. This is, eh, it's glad we're not talking about Issue the Killer. I'm sure we will at some point. But, um, it's, it's not that. But, um, this may be, you know, his most sedate and, and just tight and well-done picture, in my opinion. And I, I'm a fan mm-hmm. of a lot of his work. Uh, but uh, he does tend to gravitate towards the same type of stories when he does horror, of uh, women, uh, avenging angel-type stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's not a feminist film, though. And this is our feminist review, but it's not a feminist film. Uh, but, yeah, it has all the elements to create a feminist talk right now. You know what I mean? And continuing on, so yeah, ten exactly. of dog bowls of vomit for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. It's definitely uh, you know, especially in this like this sort of Me Too era, um, it's definitely worth revisiting this film and looking at it through that lens. As far as the uh, these male characters who exploit you know their um, their positions in society, uh, you know, to take advantage of young women. Um, so yeah it's it's definitely one of those films you like might get a different impression of it watching it now than when it first came out Um, I also have to give it 10 out of 10 Uh, I would go with 10 out of 10 spare body parts oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah I think it's like um, you know the performances are excellent it's a visually gorgeous film Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Takashi Nike's work he just like it has a real flair, especially that time period of his films, a real flair for the depraved and uh, disturbing. Yes, and uh, even in his action work. Audition is one of my favorite uh, Takashi Miike films, um, although it, it's also watching this again has inspired me to revisit some of his other films or discover a few that I haven't seen yet since his filmography is so extensive.
0: Yeah, and Quentin Tarantino is, is a big fan of his work.
1: Yeah, Taylor so Roth. Is, uh, yeah, Roth and yeah, uh yeah, Takashi Mike had a cameo appearance in hostel as one of yes. the the clients. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, and he's somebody who just doesn't take himself too seriously. He laughs yeah. off people calling him sick and depraved. He yeah. proudly proclaims, Yeah, that's that's some of my semen there and she's the killer. Like I, I was in on that. Like, you know, he I I, I can appreciate like that's that kind of like wild-ass artist-type mood. And I I like people who, you know, who aren't horrible, but, you know, people who are just honest about who they are and their their mission, and they don't take themselves too seriously. Because I think if you do, and there's a time and a place for that, but if you do, you're going to be disappointed. And I think, um, you know, we just did, uh, you know, we're, we're wrapping up season four. We talked a lot about John Carpenter, and he lost his fire because, you know, he took it way seriously. And, and there's a time and a place, and I, and I think you should put your everything into your work, but you can't let box office failure stop you from your vision. Because it's a vision. Why, why we do art, whether it's, you know, visual art or writing or whatever fucking what we want to do, we have to put our all into it. Because mm-hmm. as, as creative people, it's an outlet, it's a vision— it's a piece of work that you can be proud of and he's proud of this work and you know good for him good for him absolutely <laughs> this is an important story so if you're listening to this and you were like couldn't get through it i urge you to try it again and take mm-hmm. all of the knowledge and all of the perspectives that we have brought to this this is absolutely like feminism starter kit <laughs> it's not a feminist film but when you leave that film you when you stop and it's over you're going to think about it you're going to think about these gender you know insanity ideals that that were absolutely the downfall of, of both characters who who were both wrong and it's like yeah well Aoyama you know here's the thing Aoyama wasn't as bad as Asami People only think that because we have, you know, it's, it's been normalized in society for a really long time. Really, since the ancient fucking Greeks, once the Romans took that shit, like, it, women suck, we're evil. But before that, women were very powerful, and what we had to say mattered. Um, ancient Greece, in particular, it was, I really think, the end of that. Um, and we've talked about that, too. But, uh, yeah, so, don't tell me that he's not a, a villain. Because he's a villain. This story would never have happened if he wasn't actually victimizing.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, some people, oh, he was just fantasizing. Oh, no, he was victimizing. He was Mm -hmm. pigeonholing. He was pushing his beliefs and thoughts onto her. And that is absolutely wrong. That is wrong. And I really think that's the message. (laughs) This is an extreme way, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's, it's these what, what screams out the loudest are these things that, hey, pay attention to this. That's why there's so much story, and the gore doesn't hit you till the end. And it's an extreme way of telling, like, this is harmful. This is horrible shit to do. Let's not do this. This is bad. Right. Mm-hmm. you know what we're doing to women we act like it's not that big of a deal because it's been so normalized but it should never ever be normalized and I, with the me too movement and and you know feminism um, really really growing um, you know it, it's all, the move it's only been you know since the 70s like we, we're growing but it's slow going and we have to keep mm-hmm. fighting the good fight so watch this movie think about it have a discussion with somebody
1: yeah and read the book, too, if you have time. Absolutely read the book.
0: Right now, I can tell you this, as the time of this recording, it is $14 on Amazon. And um, sometimes it goes through, because it, it is translated from Japanese, sometimes it just goes through dry spells where it's, like, impossible to buy or find. And there's also uh, books about the works of Takashi Miike. Um, Agitator. It um, covers a lot of his filmography. There's also Reagitator, which covers... Uh, so there's other later stuff um you know beyond um what's in agitator so those books are all available Well, Reagitator is at least available on amazon as well it's a little bit more expensive but um but you could absolutely get a copy of audition for 14 dollars on amazon and mm-hmm. it's a short read it's not like a novella but it is a very short read maybe maybe 250 300 pages not long and it's worth it and then watch the movie again, you know? Like, that's why I keep watching it, because I get something more every time. And I like when a movie can do that. That means it's doing what it's supposed to do. So. If nothing else, it's a conversation starter.
1: It absolutely is.
0: You know, especially towards feminism, which is, you know, our ghouls line out is, is, is looking at horror from a feminist point of view. And talking about, you know... The issues and things that we need to pay attention to that we need to change. And specifically focusing on horror, I think, is brilliant. We have some really great ones coming up for Season 5. I'll just move into that section of the show. Um, we have some great goals lined out uh, in Season 5. Um, we're doing more extreme films like this. Uh, we've got quite a few of those lined up that are usually in those lists as well. Um... And for the regular show, uh, the regular part of, of uh, The House That Screams, it's just now in season five, because I'm just weird, I do the schedule, that we're doing classics. We're, we're, we're not just like black and white, but I mean like original, like let's do the original Friday 13. Let's talk about the original Night Living Dead. Let's talk about the first Evil Dead. You know, stuff that most people, that would be where they started. We're just like you know what, we're going to do Exodus 3, and that was seasons ago, you know, so we're branching out, but we are also touching back to roots, and uh, so we've got quite a season planned, and uh, lots of Ghoul's Night Out, and lots of extreme films coming, um, we're, we're, we're branching out, and I'm excited, because some of them I have not seen, and I'm, I'm ready to watch them. So, yeah, uh, from my links, uh, which are basically links for everybody on our show, and to Erica and I's uh, beauty makeup with a horror theme company, Final Girl Cosmetics, is in my link tree. It's linktree slash candy the final girl.
1: At myherificlife.com and on Instagram at life, where I rarely post updates anymore because, well, now it's because the internet is fucking me, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I'll just start over. You can find me at uh, MyHerrificLife.com <laughs> <laughs> and on really Instagram fun. at my horrific life. Where I rarely post updates to either, oh, did it do it again?
0: It did, but it, it's salvageable.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna say where I rarely post updates to either platform these days. What can I say? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I had a, a a horror blog that I haven't written anything on in literally a year. It's kind of like checking on me to see if I'm dead. Um, <laughs> doing the promo between um, the show and networking with other podcasts, we are part of a network now, and uh, working with them, making other appearances, uh, I record like a mad person, you know, I, I sometimes do three or so shows a week. Um, and if I do an uh, appearance on somebody else's sometimes it's four shows a week. Um, I don't mind doing it. I, I like to uh, bring my unique view to things and make people uncomfortable because that's apparently what I do. I make people uncomfortable. They're like, <laughs> uh, Candy, can you please not talk about abuse? I'm like, that's my life, dude. Like, what the fuck? I think it's a real. I think right. it needs to be brought up. Like, why? Why not? I'm sorry, you're uncomfortable. Were you abused? Probably not. Okay. So yeah. Um, this. I forgot what my fucking point was. Uh, it the,
1: happens. With <laughs> the drugs.
0: Um, but yeah. Um, just, yeah, we have a lot coming um, from, uh, we're gonna, we're working on uh, soon a special project with uh Bono Girl Cosmetics, and uh, I, I don't want to reveal what that is. We also have another surprise. That's going to hit you uh, around the holidays that uh, will be recorded. We have one more recording after this, and then we go on break. The one break that we take, which is the Oops. holiday time. We, we're still going to be putting out all kinds of uh, shows and um, interviews. And, and uh, yeah, the, the big surprise I don't want to ruin, and that's happening on December 2nd. So. That was it. But, yeah,
1: I'm super excited for this surprise episode, too. It's like, ooh, yeah, and urban,
0: honestly, and I think that's something unique about our show that um, we do talk about. We, we've had complete episodes that were not movies, not talking mm-hmm. about movies. Um, that's the only hint there. But um, and and people listen to them and they like them. They're not as popular as the movies, um, but they have an audience. So. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know we like to do more than watch movies, and horror is everywhere. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this episode thank with me. You. I was so excited to do it, and it was just a really great conversation and
1: have a really um, great discussion.
0: I loved it, and um, you know, I'm um, looking forward to what's to come. So, thank you. Me again. Too. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. Love you. Have a good have, night.
1: Have a lovely. <laughs> Love you. (laughs) Good night.